Today on Ag News Daily. We are trading every forecast that comes out every six to eight hours, um, and that just definitely dictates um, market action. So last night, the weather models were um, chances of rain, but um, more staying dry. Listeners, welcome back to a Market Monday Ag News Daily episode, June 5th, 2023. This episode is brought to you by Vesteron, your game changer and revolutionary insecticide. Visit vestaron.com today. Here to dive right into some of the latest headlines. Delaney, why don't you go first? I did have to take a quick second to sneeze, but I muted myself. So now I think I'm ready, <laughs> Tanner, but that's because allergies are in the air. And also tar spot is in the air, Tanner. We first noticed in Northwest Indiana, tar spot has started to creep its way back into the corn corn belt over the last eight years. And more specifically, we're starting to see the disease pop up again in, in states from Iowa to Pennsylvania this year. It's going to be a huge year to watch it, Tanner. And we are starting to see some very early stages of potential tar spots in the Midwest, but typically you won't really start to see those until V8. So we're a little early on identifying those for this year, but it's definitely something to keep in mind. And I'm curious, Tanner, do you think that tar spots cause allergies? I, I wouldn't have uh, a clue, but I'm in today's world, I think there's a lot of things that can cause allergies. It could also be the air quality that is caused from the Canadian wildfires that might be getting to some of our listeners. Wisconsin and Minnesota are seeing uh, air quality indexes that may reach levels that are unhealthy or not good for sensitive groups of the public. Smoke are coming from wildflowers out of Quebec and moving across our northern region. We're looking at northern Midwest through the Great Lakes region. We've got parts of Kansas and Missouri that have a chance of scattered thunderstorms, but we are continuing to monitor our friends in Texas. Farmers in the Southern Plains have a battle on their hands. Initially, we're looking at not having crops germinate due to multiple years of devastating drought, but now some have received too much rain. We're seeing here throughout multiple social media platforms and now news sources of reports of nine inches of rain in 10 days. Farmers are trying to get into the field to plant this year's crop, but now there may be no planting because of the extra moisture. So since the 26th or 28th of April, Mr. Spurlock, who uh, farms in Sherman County, Texas, said that they've received 14 to 20 inches of rain on parts of his farm. But Delaney, we are also going to continue to watch our friends in China. Parts of China are experiencing record high temperatures and heavy rains, as well as other parts suffering extreme droughts. So now we have reports of farm animals and crops that are suffering due to these extreme weather patterns. The summer of 2022 was the worst heat wave and drought within decades for China, caused widespread power outages, and this could be the tip of a even another record-breaking area of change for China themselves. By Wednesday, 578 national weather stations located in different cities recorded their highest ever temperatures for this time of year, according to the China Meteorological Administration. So a couple of weather headlines for you. 
Well, I've got one final weather headline for our listeners, and it's very timely because we're chatting today markets and more specifically the weather market. Are we in one? Are we not? To let our listeners take a guess at that for themselves, Tanner. But we just received word that after the third driest May in over 30 years, abnormally dry and drought areas expanded across the U.S. Corn Belt in May. Specifically, the states of Nebraska, Missouri, and some other northern plains states started to see an increase in drought conditions. But the hot and dry end of May and the beginning of June here across the Corn Belt increased evapotransportation rates. And while some rainfall was spotty across the Corn Belt, almost non-existent in the eastern regions and the high plains. So while we're seeing too much rain in some areas, like you mentioned there down in Texas, other areas are not seeing near as much, Tanner. So I think that's probably given our listeners a pretty good indication of whether or not we're in a weather market. Yeah, it's interesting the number of uh, headlines that are coming out about parts of the Corn Belt, the I-State's majority that are hitting into a drought pattern. Uh, it'll be interesting to watch, but the Office of U.S. Trade Representative, USTR, announced Friday that it's requested dispute settlement consultations with Mexico under the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Agreement, USMCA. Mexico continues to argue that its recent decree that bans the imports of genetically modified corn for food does not violate trade commitments. Uh, Mexico's ag minister says the issue is not suitable for the USMCA's typical dispute resolution process, but should rather be decided through a formal panel. Stating here that they fundamentally disagree on the position Mexico has taken, Tom Vilsack comes out and states that the products have been proven safe for decades. This action is merely just exercising our rights under the trade agreement while supporting innovation and nutrition security. The USMCA dispute process begins with consultations. According to Congress, technical consultations will be the initial step. They will then establish a dispute panel. The announcement taking place on Friday has stated uh, there could be three to five people on this panel from both Mexico and the United States to hear the discussions. The elected panel will then examine the evidence and hear oral testimony from both Mexico and the U.S., and then they will provide a verdict, the resolving dispute. The party is found, if one of them is found to have violated its obligations, there will be 45 days to settle the dispute. If not, they will continue down the process of standard negotiation. So that is probably something we'll be reporting on quite a bit here over the next couple of months. Tanner, before I get to my next piece of news here, I wanted to just remind our listeners, we are sponsored by Vesteron today. For a strong defense against LAPs, you need a game changer. Spear RC is Vesteron's revolutionary insecticide for high-value row crops. Visit Vesteron today. One thing we've obviously continued to report on, Tanner, has been the Russia-Ukraine situation. And I feel like I'm getting deja vu reading this story because my husband and I have been watching the political program, Madam Secretary. And in the show, they kind of actually forecasted almost to a T uncanny how great a job they did. Uh, some of the challenges we've seen with the Russian Ukraine conflict. And in the show, they just talked about how um, uh, planes were coming 
increasingly close to warships. And over the weekend, we saw a near collision between Chinese warships and an American destroyer. But we also saw over the weekend here, Russia's foreign ministry on Monday said that it saw no prospects for extending the Black Sea grain deal just a few days after Ukraine on Friday said that they would be going to a plan B without Russia backing if Moscow decides to pull the plug on the current grain deal. So lots of shots being fired there back and forth, but Ukraine says that they are working on a plan B to still be able to export grain shipments out of the Black Sea region if Moscow decides to back out of any further extension. And that's definitely aggravated Russia a little bit more extremely We're starting to see a few ships out of that area, but all in all, Tanner, Russia really has been cracking down on the pace at which ships are being inspected and loaded and sent out of the country. So I can understand why Ukraine would be looking for other measures. Yeah, it's also interesting just to watch the headlines around the military progression from both sides. Ukraine has cultivated a network of agents inside of Russia that are utilizing locals and local supplies to put together acts of sabotage against Russian targets. They've been providing them with drones and other military equipment. U.S. intelligence is reporting to CNN. Russia's defense ministry claims that they repelled a large-scale offensive from Ukrainian forces on the front line outside of the southern region, Donetsk. Uh, However, Ukraine is saying they don't have any information about such an offensive. Uh, States here that it was a potential large-scale attack that is uh, being used to potentially provide campaigns to sway public opinion rather than facts, also to mislead their opponents about their battle plans. Two military units considered to be Russian operating in the Russian region claim they've captured other Russian soldiers that will be deported to Ukraine's military prison. And CNN in an exclusive interview says that top U.S. generals are still claiming that Ukraine is very well prepared for this upcoming counterattack that will be against Russia. So again, probably something we'll continue to report on here for quite some time. Well, Tanner, I tell you what, I am out of news headlines for today other than chatting markets. What about you? Let's do it. Let's get right into the markets. Well, before we do that, folks, a quick word from today's sponsor. For a strong defense against LEPs, you need a game changer. Spear RC is Vesteron's revolutionary insecticide for high-value row crops. Visit Vesteron, that's V-E-S-T-A-R-O-N.com today for more information. And Tanner, as we dive into the markets today, lots of headlines that the markets are certainly chewing on, including the Brazilian farmer harvest going on in South America only sold about 32% so far of this year's record large Safrina corn crop. And we're also getting some fresh reports due to weather that about 20 million metric tons of winter wheat may have quality problems in China this year due to some of that ongoing moisture that could amount to about 15% of their total expected production. 
Aside from that, they're also trading domestic weather headlines here in the United States. And after opening higher this morning, markets have since pulled back at the close. July corn shed 11 and a half cents today at 597 and a half. Dees new crop corn down four and a quarter cent, closing out the day at 537. In the soybean pits, the July contract shed two and a half cents to close at 1350. November new crop beans shed four cents to close at 1179 and three quarters. Wheat, the only uh, grain market here to push higher as the July contract added 10 cents today to close at 822 and a quarter. Livestock also pushed to some newer highs today as the August live cattle contract added 37 and a half cents, closing at $1.7327. August feeder cattle added 70 cents today, closing at 242.60. And July lean hogs shed 50 cents today, closing out the morning at 84.15. We're turning things over to a Market Monday conversation with Naomi Bloom now. For today's hashtag Market Monday conversation, we are chatting with Naomi Bloom of Total Farm Marketing. Naomi, thanks so much for joining us. Here we are, first week of June. There's a lot to talk about, but I want to start out here, Naomi, are we officially in a weather market? Oh, absolutely. We are trading every forecast that comes out every six to eight hours. Um, and that just definitely dictates um, market action. So last night, the weather models were um, chances of rain, but um, more staying dry. And that's why the market started higher last night and early this morning. And then the morning models came out and suggested that maybe just a little bit better chances of rain, a little bit cooler temperatures. And that was enough to see the market pull back a little bit. So now for the rest of this week, we'll continue to trade those weather forecasts because we are right on the cusp of um, prices having the ability to do another push higher or seeing a pullback if they put rain in the forecast. So get ready for volatility all week long. We'll be back and forth on top of that USDA report coming out on Friday. And a quick follow-up for you, Naomi, because you mentioned trading day-to-day already, overnights into this morning, trading some weather forecasts. Is this going to be a daily occurrence? Like, I feel like we had whiplash when we were talking South American weather. It's heading into the weekend, they are expecting rain, and then on Monday, the trade opened, and there was no rain in the forecast. But are we going to see that whipsaw effect happening day-to-day or just more so week-to-week? I would say for the next two weeks, it's day-to-day. Um, but then by then we'll know essentially what the kind of the trend is, is there's better chances of rain if it's assumed that the crop is going to at least grow um, and get us into pollination, um, then prices probably ease a little bit lower and then we'll, we'll go looking more at a broader weather pattern. But right now the weather patterns are so mixed in a sense where, you know, some are saying, Um, you know, these chances of of just pop-up storms are available and some are saying, no, it'll be more widespread coverage. And because there's so much kind of confusion and not consistency, that's why for the next two weeks, we'll be trading every little single forecast that comes out until the models start to align a little bit more. And what does seem to be consistent from the main weather folks that I'm following is that by early next week, there should be more of a consistent model that starts to come together. So that's what we're watching and waiting for. So as we talk weather here, obviously we hinted a little bit on weather in Brazil. Are the corn and soybean markets going to have any other factors that we need to pay attention to over this next stretch? 
Um, so good point about bringing up South America. What we're going to watch on Friday's USDA report regarding South America is if the USDA will make any adjustments to the Argentina crop because they didn't really do that on the last report and most of the trade is assuming that those are going to be smaller numbers for yield. And we'll see if they make any changes to the Brazil crop in terms of the size there because there's some thoughts that maybe that second crop corn in Brazil could be a little bit bigger than what the USDA had on paper last month. So those are things that we're watching for South America. But just keep in mind, you know, that's a crop that's available to the world right now and cheaper than the U.S. crop. So if we end up not having a bullish weather story to talk about over the coming week to two weeks, we'll go back to trading kind of this new notion that supply is growing in the world, and that's something that could weigh on prices. And there's a seasonal tendency also for new crop beans and new crop corn that starting right around June 8th or 9th, a lot of times prices will fall lower. Um, now, one other little new nugget of news that's starting to make the rounds is that the soybean emergence throughout Illinois, Indiana, and other parts of the Midwest is not good. It's not great because they haven't had the rains. So we need to keep an eye on that because that could be actually something in the marketplace that would catch things off guard a little bit if all of a sudden we're not thinking that we have as big of a soybean crop in the United States as what's anticipated, that would be something new that could make the market then have a recovery bounce and rally higher. Because beans have been really lagging lately and corn has been uh, more of the market that's been in the spotlight for the short term. So Naomi, as far as then as new crop sales go, you mentioned we could start to see things sag here if we don't see any fresh news on the weather or supply front around that June 8th, June 9th timeframe, what are you advising in the interim producers do as far as making some cash sales? Are we looking to make some sales now or are we waiting to see what happens here over the next two weeks? Well, I think a lot of folks with um, the way prices were this morning made some both old crop and new crop sales. And I had told my clients, you know, hey, we're for July corn specifically, we're at the high end of this downward trading range that we've been in for a year and we need more bullish news throughout the day as the day goes on to make sure that the market can stay above six dollars at least and we close below six after testing the high end of that channel range so that's kind of a significant technical development and with the december corn it was able to get above the 50-day moving average this morning which was a big deal but now we close back below it and we've seen that uh, two or three other times so far in 2023 where the market tries to get above the 50-day moving average for December corn, can't get enough fresh news to continue the momentum, so we see a pullback. So maybe, though, on this afternoon's crop progress report, maybe we'll get some news there that the crop really is not off to a great start, and that could give the market some positive momentum on the overnight trade. But yeah, in general, I would definitely be plugging along with sales because more of the market, again, has shifted to a more of a negative mentality and the pretty much the only potential bullish news piece here that could be coming would be if the U.S. crop isn't good based on drought conditions. And so that's what we're watching and waiting for. Yeah, you kind of hit on a couple of things that I was going to transition us into wheat for. Let's talk a little bit about some of the rain that's hit these dry areas, maybe being a little bit too late and what the Black Sea grain uh, situation is looking like there that might drive that market as well. 
Yeah, I was actually just on the phone with a client in Kansas um, earlier today, and he said with that recent rain that he's got, it's made his fields just um, kind of be all over the place in terms of what's happening with the field. Like some of the wheat has kind of bounced back to life. Some of it, he said, um, just didn't um, catch enough helpfulness out of the rain that came through, so it still doesn't look good. And some of it, um, he said, is just um, some of it was maybe trying to sprout and do other things like that because it was so wet. So he's he's looking at this field and it's so not consistent. And he's trying to decide how to best deal with it. Um, we're hearing that it's too wet in parts of China with their wheat crop. So that's um, something to be watching too as they're dealing with sprouting issues in the fields. And regarding the Black Sea region, we had heard that you know Russia was not really allowing a lot of grain movement out of the Black Sea area, even though that they said that they were going to be allowing that and letting it happen. I think I heard that over the weekend, just a few vessels were able to finally get moving out that way, but it's not to the scale of what it had been. So still a lot of things to watch in the world regarding wheat. The funds are still heavily short wheat, over 100,000 contracts. So if there's any little pieces of bullish news that can pick up momentum there, that would force the funds to cover short positions, exit those, buy them back, and that might give them wheat market a little bit more of a lift. Naomi, one thing that's certainly had a lift or a lot of support has been still the cattle markets, and they added some fresh gains today. August live cattle, are we going to see things start to pull back after we get through the summer grilling season in the cattle complex? Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to get more cautious about it. So we all know that the fundamentals are friendly and cattle prices have had every reason to work higher because of the fundamentals. We know that. Um, so we've got memorial demand behind us. I think the recent rally that we had was to meet Father's Day demand. And I'm going to say, I think that's going to be about it. Um, you know, talking with a lot of my girlfriends who come from a variety of backgrounds and budgets, um, they're definitely talking about, you know, cutting back on beef, doing more pork because it's super cheap at the grocery store, more chicken. Uh, still doing hamburger because, of course, who doesn't like a burger or tacos or spaghetti? But um, I think it's catching up to budgets. And so I'm, I'm thinking also we saw three major news markets over the past few days talk about high beef prices. So it was national news um, uh, on cable and then also the Wall Street Journal talking about it. And in the industry, there's an old adage that once it hits once anything in agriculture hits national news, the market move is coming to an end because they're the last people to pay attention to agriculture. So I'm, I'm encouraging producers to start lagering and some puts under the market just because of the value that's there and all the way out into 24. Um, it's, it's good value. You know, this is your $8 corn moment equivalent from a historical perspective. And, and we know what goes up comes down when you think about, you know, how high wheat went last year from a historical standpoint to the pitfall of prices, those are things that could come over to the cattle complex as well. So really be mindful in protecting the value that's there. We've also been seeing a lot of headlines around, obviously the recent Prop 12 ruling having a huge impact on the hog markets. Are we still seeing that being the factor there that's holding those markets down? Well, that was um, definitely something that we were looking at and talking about. Now, there was a blurb that I saw on the wire this morning saying that someone thought that the Prop 12, everything that goes along with it, wasn't going to be able to be as aggressively implemented as initially thought. Um, but in general, the hog prices have had a nice recovery bounce again because the funds were just so short. 
um, ideas I think that demand might pick up going forward. And uh, yeah, we're trying to get our hands wrapped around the whole Prop 12 thing and how that's going to affect hog producers going forward. It's a unanswered questions on a lot of grounds there. Naomi, anything else that we missed this week that our listeners should be in tune with? I think, you know, just keep an eye next week. The feds meet again. So we're going to see if they're going to be doing another um, increase on interest rates. And of course, that affects the market from the standpoint of um, the funds then thinking if there's more interest rate hikes, that's going to be potentially less demand for agriculture, less demand for commodities in a sense. That's what gave them the idea to be sellers of commodities and go short in things like wheat or with corn. So we want to keep an eye on the feds and that'll probably help dictate what the funds do next week. And then of course, weather watching USDA report, a lot of things to be aware of for agriculture. Fantastic. Well, Naomi, thanks again for joining us. We certainly appreciate your time to chat markets today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Always good to visit with you guys. There you go, Delaney. Always a pleasure to have Naomi on, as well as getting our listeners some of the latest market news. So thanks again for hanging out with us. We'll have another great show for you tomorrow, so don't go too far. Stick with us. But for today, what do you say, Delaney? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go.